0: Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5pm GMT. I'm your host Anu, I'm recording from um, yeah my little studio in here in the London UK. And I use this platform to share not just expert, but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry and get the latest on the podcast that has been called your go-to if you don't make it to the ppc chat live discussions and even if you do then like follow share and retweet that's right on twitter with my handle the marketing anu Um, or join our linkedin group which is um the ppc chat roundup podcast um or if you're on instagram check us out on um at ppc chat underscore roundup to get quotes and snippets and more recently reels of um some random things i do um and um oh, yeah but yeah yeah just just get like you know, me advertising and me having fun on instagram there um and talking about our Previous PPC episodes. Um, so yeah, today we're led by Julie Bicchini um, discussing a very great topic for freelancers and business owners, especially, um, you know, as, as most of us are um, in this community. And the topic is the great PPC pricing model debate and it's co-hosted by someone um that has spoken a lot about this on his profile um and is who is the author of the book ponderings of a ppc professional and that's right it's kirk williams aka ppc kirk um that's his handle on twitter um and as julie said in her intro tweet it is going to be a live one um so yeah let's get right into it so yeah julie goes hello thank you all for joining me and guest host uh, co-host ppc kirk today and we will be talking the great ppc pricing model debate which is always always a lively topic but first how we're we all doing so yeah a little roll call obviously we've got kirk um joining us saying doing great past couple of weeks have been seemingly busier than normal so been hanging on for dear life so so the fall um lead in kicking is kicking in hard so um that's awesome so yeah i am we are seeing that in the uk as well loads of um companies are really kicking back in like the Uh, this end of the year plus as well we're yeah out of uh, well not out of covid season but out of the worst of it from the sounds of it which is great and um and companies are getting back into you know wanting to spend more because people are getting into buying more more stuff um and then yeah we've got Dan Patterson joining us as well Julia Weiss as well joins us El Chase as well as well as um, Reva Minkoff um and Steve Gibson um join the chats And then, yeah, Julie takes us on to, um, question one. She starts with saying that, yeah, we have a lot of questions prepared and I know you all have thoughts, thoughts in all caps (laughs) on this topic. So let's get right to it. Um, question one, what pricing model do you currently use for your PPC projects and accounts? How long have you used this method? So I wasn't even really on the live conversation because my model is very different, different. Um, I'm a contractor, I'm a freelancer and here in the UK, it's very much just doing, um, I have a, a daily rate for the agencies that i help with their paid search projects so no direct clients of my own which is how i'm liking it for now so far um and then yeah we' so we've got um kirk williams starting us off with um his answer saying we use a tiered set fee based on ad spend it's been a couple of years now we switched from percentage of spend. Um, Dan Patterson replies, that feels like a much better model to me versus strict percentage of ad spend. I'd much prefer to see something like tiered based on spend if or when I hire an agency. Again, Kirk replies, I like it because it allows natural flexibility for budget without always changing up the fees, but also provides growth model for the agency if a client strategically wants to invest more into PPC. Andrew McGarry replies saying, yes, I think tiered set fee based on ad spend is better but given the percentage of google marketing platform can understand why firms can't just stick with that easier to mark up And in response to um, question one, Steve Gibson joins us saying, it's pretty all over the place. I tend to price at around 10 to 15% of existing spend depends on what I'm being asked to do. Yes, definitely always depends. Julie replies, I use a project or set fee for specific scope of work model. I generally divide work into an initial phase or two depending on complexity of the needs and then switch to a set monthly fee to manage all that we have built or improved um sean ellie replies um to question one as well saying project-based use an internal hourly rate and project time estimates to quote project without mentioning hourly to client also have a few incentive-based deals based on performance would like to try to do this more And even in response to, um, Dan Patterson, where he says that that feels much like a better model to me versus strict percentage of ad spend. Kirk replies, I like it because it allows natural flexibility for a budget without always changing up the fees, but also provides growth model for the agency if a client strategy strategically wants to invest more into PPC. Yes, if they make more money, you guys should get more money as well. And in response to question one, we've got Sam going, we tend to use a scoped fee model, usually with a couple tiers for some clients or clients with dynamic needs, creative PPC web services will use a project basis or an hourly basis. And then we go on to question two and Julie asks, have you used different pricing models either over time or by client or project? What made you change your model or use a different model for that project? Or client, um, but before we get into that, um, Julia Vice replies saying um, in replies to question one saying as a spoiled omni-channel brat she's called herself that several times <laughs> we look at total spend and preferred channels and price from there we have some retainer partners and some hourly and it depends on their needs bespoke or begone um kirk williams replies question two saying you name it we've tried it oh well i'm constantly tweaking to try to find what works best for us and the client as well if it works well for the client it's easier to sell by the way I'd imagine so. <laughs> Steve Gibson replies to question two, saying, "I used to use an estimated hours um, by hourly rate model, but in my opinion, it leads to a PPC management as an expense as an expense mindset, which isn't good for the client, and wasn't good for me." Julie replies to question two as well, saying, I have pretty much always used this model. I started it when I was doing websites and have carried it into PPC. I have issues with percentage of spend, which I will get into on those questions. Clients also like to know what to expect on their invoices. I've found, yeah, they definitely want to know. And um, Dan replies, yes, consistency is great for the CFOs. Yeah, so that they can plan for the year so they don't like bespoke and things changing based on um yeah increases in volumes and things like that and then we have um, Dwayne Brown replying to question one, saying we have a mixed model with 10% of ad spend, and then a monthly strategy fee. Clients only value what they pay for, and we don't want clients who don't value time invested into business strategy thinking, which is a different, which is different from PPC strategy. That's a very good one. Um, and he continues, if we get, if we're getting hired for training, workshop, consulting, or a one-off ad account audit, we price it, we price it as a project rate mm with some based numbers to gauge how serious a client is um, to many clients want the cheapest to many clients want the cheapest priced agency where business too I need to have profits Kirk replies I like this idea a lot how do you calculate the strategy fee does it flex with communication changes um, Julie replies Duane who has a really interesting model I know others will also include a technology fee that covers a percentage of the fees the consultancy or agency spends on tools and they use for client account, been seriously thinking about adding this to mine. I think everybody, anyone that uses uh, a tech company should add it to theirs. guy replies, I've um, thought about the tech fee before and rejected it. So far, my mind can always be changed. Um, and rejected it so far in brackets. My mind can always be changed. More so because that that's just what I see as part of our management. So who cares if the client sees it or not? But I'm intrigued by the strategy idea. Um, Glenn replies, I haven't been at... Um, I haven't been at charging for strategy ideation, but have been able to charge for executing on the strategies we worked on within the build time which set for managing client campaigns. Um, and then um, Dwayne replies to that. Um, yeah, you can do it that way, Glenn. We don't sell ours at our agency, which is why we do it this way. And Colin um, Slattery as well replies to Dwayne's answer where, and he says, I do the flat plus percent model, but I've never called it a strategy fee love that we'll definitely be using it Dwayne replies it's all part of our pitch and why we don't view ourselves as just a ppc agency which is all well and good but doesn't set us apart from a lot of agencies out there eric alred replies to question replies to Dwayne's answer going as well yeah curious if you cap compensation at certain levels of spend or do you do a waterfall and Dwayne replies we will waterfall down spending over a hundred k um a month in a month out will drop to 9% then when you hit 250,000 dollars it's a 8% and so on and so forth so yeah the more you spend the lesser the percentage becomes that's some really good ideas there um thanks for that Dwayne then julie takes us on to question 3 um Asking us, do you require any payments up front for your projects or do you bill as you go? Why do you do it the way you do it? Before that, we've got Sam replying to question two saying, I'm always experimenting with different approaches. I loathe and will never use a strict percentage of spend model. It creates perverse incentives for the agency, plus creates a barrier to scale and growth. That's the only one I flat out refuse. Steve Gibson replies to question three, saying I get paid in advance. Why? Because I'm not a bank and I don't give credit. Nor do I spend time chasing payments. That is such a good idea. I hope um, it'll be great if um, a lot more. Yeah, PPC professionals felt the confidence to ask for that and uh, have built trust to demand that as well and um yeah Glenn replies to that amen Steve same here amazing two people that do it um uh, yeah I think we also have Sean Ellie replying to question three saying first month's payment has to be in before we kick off after that we bill for the next month's work that way if clients stop paying we may be out only a month of work rather than two yeah I think that everything should come come um beforehand and then we have Kirk Williams replying to question three saying admitting there are different acceptable ways to charge. We do charge for a setup fee part of this is because we do not have long-term contracts in place month to month so setup fee allows us to get paid for our initial work even if a client leaves immediately very good um andrew replies replies to this and replies to question three as well saying 100% this protect yourself from clients from hell Roy Stevens says um we've never had an issue in six years wow amazing I wish every um, paid search professional could say that. (laughs) Julie replies to question three saying the first phase is billed up front and all other billing is done for the next month ahead of time with a strong incentive to pay me electronically. I have a client I let this slide with during COVID and I'm chasing that dollar, those dollars. Oh, I lo- hate having to chase. Steve Gibson replies, I know a ton of freelancers who, when locked lockdown happened, found themselves with a fistful of unpaid invoices that were worth nothing. Um, yeah, and Julie replies, I was trying to be kind, but now I'm out of that money. Have offered a generous payment plan option too. And then, yeah, we have Steve, Steve replying to that saying, um, if they can't pay... Fair enough, that's a bigger problem for them than you. Over the years, I've done a solid for people in that situation and when sending the invoice uh, invoice expecting nothing back, which was usually the case. And then we have Sam replying to question three saying, get paid upfront, legally collecting balances owed for service Services work is tricky, time consuming and expensive. So getting paid before delivering work is the most prudent approach. In my opinion, um, there are always exceptions. Yay. Megacorps with dumb AP rules (laughs) continues. In those cases, we don't begin work without a fully approved PO at the very least that PO is factorable at a more favorable rate plus terms versus invoice factoring and then we have um julie taking us on to question four um and uh, yeah she started with, i know this topic has been discussed here before um do you charge for account reviews or audits why or why not are there different levels to this type of work in your opinion. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, Julia Weiss does reply to question three saying, I'm a little quiet on this one because our team actually runs, manages and builds all media, then invoices the clients. I, lo- I feel like that's not the route for many in this group. No, it's not. Uh, she then answers um, question four saying, yes, you can't fully know what needs to be done until you get under the hood. We propose a bank of hours and share the types of deliver the deliverables from an audit that time is accounted for and valuable for us then and the overall project um and then yeah julia vice um kirk williams replies to julia vice's answer to question three and when you she's like i'm a little bit quiet on this one and um yeah the team runs manages and builds all media G- kirk replies i know you're right i think most of us small agencies or freelancers tend to avoid billing for media as well as fees a ton of risk um colin replies i think it's great if you can trust the clients you get that run to your amex and the two percent drops right to the bottom line but it's definitely at a risk and um, Julia vice replies our amex here in canada is pretty robust and our clients are pretty trustworthy but it is a whole can of worms you need credit protection insurance and lots of ways to protect yourself it does make for a robust conversation for robust conversations with vendors though our spend is high Um julie vice replies it's a major risk do not go that route on your own and a li- nice little thread that's still continuing here from earlier on when um With Kirk replying, with Kirk um, asking Dwayne Brown, when Dwayne had mentioned um, their mixed model with 10% of ad spend and then a monthly strategy fee. Kirk replies, "Um, I've found that individual clients have different strategy needs, which always works its way into communication, for us at least. Do you just have a set fee for every client then with strategy or does that flex at all? If it flexes, what is it based on? Duane replies, like all our work, account management, calm strategy, it flexes up and down. Most of our clients are chill, don't need to talk to us daily or weekly. We have a base strategy and based on needs, it can increase. We think 12 months out when pricing work with, sorry, we think 12 months out when pricing work with brands. And then Kirk replies to that, nice, thanks for sharing. I love all the different ways smart people think about this stuff. I need to keep pondering on that because like you say, I really like the idea of calling out strategy as as its own value. And then we have Kirk Williams replying to question four saying, this depends, we charge for audits. We do offer an account analysis during our sales process that is more strategic and big picture. Basically, we ask how we can sell a client on our plan without giving it away. Um, Julia Puccini replies, question four, saying I charge for an audit. If the client wants it as a separate piece, then definitely. Otherwise, it is part of my first phase because I need to know what is going on in the accounts. I do look at accounts as part of the proposal or sales process. But, um, and then she continues, I'm not producing a full report like I would for an actual audit, nor am I going, um, am I going as deep as I would. I am basically looking for major issues and I have a list of stuff I always check. Then we have Sean Ellie replying to question four saying, no, I view the audit is as much for us as it is for them. Is there opportunity? What strategy shifts can be made? Are they leaving an agency with a solid account? Why? I also don't go too crazy on audit since I don't charge. Interesting. Um, And then, yeah, we've got, um, Kirk replying to yeah he's answered the question for um about charging for audits again when he says it depends um we do offer an account analysis blah 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 it continues by the way this is a personal preference but I don't love to make it more standardized to prefer to refer to a paid review as an audit and an unpaid sales review as something like an analysis that's at least what we do at Zato to prevent confusion in terms um between paid and unpaid. Um, and then we have Sam replying to question four saying we have a couple of tiers for audits. One discovery audit, one to three hours focused on validating, plus ensuring scope is aligned with conversation, as well as setting realistic goals for partnerships, no charge. Continuing to that, he goes one full audit, comprehensive review of clients' paid media accounts, website, creative data flows, plus integration, along with a prioritized action plan priced based on number of channels and level of complexity. And finally, he goes strategy development includes the full audit plus the development of a paid media strategy, budget model, plus dashboard with selected KPIs priced based on number of channels plus level of complexity. And then we have Julie taking us on to question five saying, do you charge differently for social ads than you do paid search ads? If so, how? That's interesting. I don't know how one would pay differently for that. Kirk replies saying we don't do social. When we did briefly, briefly, I learned that social is less about ongoing technical account optimization than paid search and more about the one setup and two creative and should probably then be charged accordingly again. I'm not a social expert. I think that's a very good point there in terms of social and um, how it should be charged. Um, and then we have Dwayne rep- responding to question three saying, bill as we go and all bills go out on the first of each month. If a client starts partway through the month, we prorate the month to align with first month billing makes billing easier that sounds like a very good um way to do that sean ellie replies question five saying we are just now starting to sell social our internal hourly rate is the same so the price so the pricing is the same but we do add a few more hours to social as buffer for tracking issues dealing with facebook etc that's a very good way of doing that Julie replies question five saying, I'm currently using the same model across search and social. I will say that social is a lot more labor intensive and less predictable in that in, in that, will be required for the management. For those accounts, I set a review of scope to kick in after two, four months. I think Julie should take um, Sean's advice where um, they do an extra, extra day. They charge a bit more because of tracking issues and just dealing with Facebook in general. And Kirk then um, gives in a a little question in here saying, I'm curious for those managing social ads. Are you doing creative yourself or is that client's responsibility? If yours, do you charge separately for management and creative or one monthly fee? Julia Vice replies that we get creative from the client or their creative firm, just media management on our side. Julie replies, I don't make a creative um, asset for clients, but managing creative on social is way more time consuming than on search every single time. Because, yeah, with Facebook, I'm, I actually don't even think you need you need to do a lot more than text ads, which is paid search is pretty much just text ads um, a lot of the time. Um And then we have Ryan Bennion replying to that as well, saying, consult on creatives and best practices, but I promise they don't want me doing their creatives unless they're cool with canvas style creative. I do an initial creative audit and charge for that. Corey Hank replies, hello, Corey, it's been a while. A mix of both, we agency are more of the insider strategy. The actual creation or development usually lands on the client side. Gordon Campbell replies, mixture of both. If the client doesn't have budget for new creative, we will normally make simple modifications to images they already have to make them work better on social. Jonathan Berthold replies, back at my last agency, we managed it for clients. They would send us assets and we'd spin up variations plus custom design assets. In other cases, we would get creators creatives from the client but most of them their time they were um, either lacking or unpolished jonathan replies continue saying my teams have always been able to use canva or lumen 5 to test new concepts or assets and then use the date data to request similar assets from the clients Catherine romero replies we work with brands who have a whole lot of brand guidelines so we get creative from them beautiful creative but the downside it's too commercial and too high production quality that it screams ad and bonks in performance oh wow talib kabara replies i totally relate to this kevin lord barry replies we do it all from scratch included in the monthly fee And then Julia Vice replies to question five saying, as usual, it depends. Facebook can take way too long, but it might have more activity than search. This is where retainers can be super helpful. Let us do the best thing for this campaign. Um, And then Julie replies, ah, yes, sweet, sweet retainer work. Um, Sam replies saying, we use the same model, though the compensation levels are different across search versus social. Um, And then, yeah, we've got Julie taking us on to question six saying, let's discuss the most common pricing models individually, method, hourly bills, pros, cons, and when or if and how it works best. Replying to that, we've got Julia Vice going pro-transparency, understanding of how long things take, easier to prioritize tasks. Cons, time consuming, lots of admin hours in estimates and then monitoring hours spent encourages nickel and dime thinking. And yeah, and just spending the time, even if it's on things that are not going to actually deliver anything. Kirk replies, I'll poke a hole into the word transparency. Only because I think clients assume this too easily of hourly. A dishonest person can lie about their hours or mess with time recording software just as simple as they can game another pricing solution. Very true. Julia Vash goes, we are not wrong. When I say transparent, I'm speaking in good faith on both sides where the client actually doesn't understand how long something takes. Kirk replies, totally. But in that way, I think all pricing models can work okay in good faith. I'm nothing th- I'm noting this because I heard the um, the accusation against percentage of spend all the time. I hear the accusation against percentage of spend all the time, misalignment of goals. And yet that model works if you hire an honest agency, which is really what it comes down to, right? Get the right people on the bus. Jim Collins applies as um, much to vendors as it applies to employees very much so. And there it is. And he continues, this is why clients vetting vendors should be doing well way more than traditional hiring practices than asking, excuse my language, dumb questions about how much fast, much or fast we can grow the account. Stop asking for promises. Does the agency have a sound plan and can you trust them? And then we have Sam replying to question six saying straight hourly, you can sometimes get a premium and it is predictable. Hourly with retainer structure makes team balancing easier, predictable income, immediate grounds to keep team time in order. The downside to both often convincing clients to pay a higher hourly for your more skilled people goes back to the Picasso anecdote. You aren't paying me just to draw a person in five minutes. You're paying me for the years spent learning how to do that. Clients um, tend to think hours are um, fungible. Fungible? Is fungible a word? <laughs> I'm not sure what word he's going for there. Anyway, clients tend to think hours are fungible, um, especially for marketing, aka um, one hour of agencies X's times equals equals to one hour of agencies Y time, one hour which is equals to one hour of agency Z times. That's often wrong, misguided, resulting in the selection of an agency that's cheap versus good. Exactly. Don't think cheap is never equals to good. Um, Dwayne Brown replies saying nope, same pricing model for account management, and that's the question five. If clients want us to make ads, then we have a monthly retainer for that, since our designer will be involved. Um, Julie replies to question six saying I generally load hourly billing, mostly because it makes. Um, that we do get reduced discussions about how long item x has worked was worked on i will do it for certain situations but the rate is high exception is landing page help i do that hourly at a regular rate Um, and then kirk gives his um direct answers question six in hourly pros easy to control scope cons limits your own personal growth you speed up a task then you get paid less for it based, uh, bases the goal of engagement on time rather than outcome. Um, also gets, doesn't account for tool usage or things like scripts or automated rules. You can literally improve an account and your own skills while harming your own pay at the same time with hourly terrible mo- model, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Julia if I the growth issue is real, am I a button tapper or is that how I am perceived? And then Sean Ellie replies to question six saying, pros, easy to understand, less scope creep, cons, time tracking, getting shut down for necessary ideas because it will be too many hours, less upside for creativity and automating tasks. And then we have um, Julie taking us on to question seven saying method set fee for project or scope of work, pros, cons, and when or if, how it works best. So again, method set fee for project or scope of work, pros, cons, and what or if and how it works best. Um, in answer to that, we have Julia Vice going pros, simple, efficient, tends to allow for easier onboarding, cons, scope, Creep. Potential for disappointment in terms of what's included. Scope creep. (laughs) Did I mention that the scope of work can easily creep up with little requests here and there? So yeah, just a little like, can we just quickly get on a call? Can we just quickly get this done? Uh, Yeah, so be careful for those. Steve Gibson replies, works well for one-off jobs like copywriting. I'm not sure it fits ongoing work like PPC management. Steve Gibson replies, if you mean retainers, that and all the pitfalls that go along with it is a big topic of conversation in the copywriting world. The TLDR version is retainers are good, but you need to be very clear about scope and deliverables. Yeah, definitely need to be very clear on those. Julie replies herself saying, this is my preferred method. As I shared earlier, pros predictable, easy to increase, fees when scope changes can't scope or work changes require more work to change compensation so yeah even that it just adds more to the work um area did kirk reply to um this one because i feel like this is the kind of similar to things he does yeah we go so yeah, he replies to, um, question seven, saying project pros can control scope, simple for client and easy to sell. Cons scope issues can still arise. No natural plan for fee growth as an account grows from successful management. And then we have Julie giving us question eight, saying method percentage of ad spend. Pros, cons, and when or if and how it works best. Sean Ellie um, does first reply, give his response to um, question seven same Pros, easy invoicing, no surprises, no arguing over necessary tasks or at least less, no time tracking, at least for the client. Cons, scope, creep, relies on accurate forecasting, need very solid contract, SOWs. And then we have Kirk Williams replying to question eight saying percentage spend pros allows for agency to grow with an account or client to pay less if spend is less. Cons, spend is an adequate metric for identifying management complexity but not ideal. Many aspects that work into account management needs beyond spend. Continuing, he goes, by the way, I'd like to address the often brought up attack that percentage spend creates agency misalignment. I disagree with this though. I understand the concern since the client still maintains control of the actual budget. And then we have Julie answering as well saying, I find percentage of spend to be problematic for a few reasons. One, it puts agency and client interests out of total alignment. I get paid more if you spend more. Two, it's not tied to actual work required if client decreases budgets but not scope of work. You're screwed. Exactly. Especially the calls are still the same amount of time if the weekly reporting and monthly reporting and all that is all the same amount of time. How much you have to do like optimizations. It doesn't mean the time of you spend doing that is less because their budget is less. Um, she continues, three, it assumes that you will be working with clients for longer term and you're betting that all of your upfront work will get compensated over time as spend increases. Percentage and number four percentage of spend might not be adequate to cover your actual costs as you get into it. So, yeah, I feel that that one with percentage of spend, it can, you cannot just do a standalone on that one. I'd always re- recommend that one comes with a mix of what the standard minimum spend um, used to be or needs to be. Most of the agencies I've um, worked on, yeah, use that model and make a lot of money out of that. And we have Steve Steve Gibson as well, replying to question eight saying cons, um, number one, huge conflict of interest between PPC person and client. If you cut wasted spend, you're devoting hours to lowering your fee. Two, unpredictable management costs for client. Um, to Kirk Willam's response to this, saying number one is a really important point I don't hear brought up too often and is another reason we moved away from a strict percentage of spend yep exactly mix it up a way to guard against this though not solved completely is to have a base level fee rather than percentage of spend all the way down steve replies yeah i I base my fee on what they're spending before they hire me rather than changing it as they as the spend changes that removes the conflict of interest Um, Kirk replies, I mean, I also disagree with a conflict of interest statement, since they can fire us at any time they are unhappy, but agree it's not the ideal model. And, um, yeah, Julie replies, this is an interesting way to do it. Steve goes on saying for some clients I have an even weirder model where rather than looking at spend, I look at net revenue and then charge a percentage of that works well for very high ticket B2B accounts with low spend that is a very very good idea that's like pretty much basing it off their very high revenue and um, that's good when you've got some um, you know really high priced items so yeah really interesting idea but steve gibson also gives um some pros to um the model of um doing percentage of um spend i um, going on pro spend and value are generally correlated i.e. the higher the spend the more value you'll produce from improving ROAS by 1%. And then we have Sam replying to question eight saying, I have feelings on this one. I loathe it, abhor. <laughs> but he does start with pros saying, um, gets agencies um, dollars irrespective of effort or outcome. Clients spends money on ads, no matter how well or poorly, you get paid a percentage. Kirk replies, counterpoint, the client can fire the agency at any time, albeit unless a ridiculously long contract, but that's another issue, if they are unhappy with the results, so percentage of spend is still results focused. Sam replies, that's true of an engagement structure, not unique to this. Kirk replies, exactly, which is why I don't think it's fair when people attack percentage of spend with that specific argument um sam replies that wasn't the line of attack i used card the con please see above is that it creates a massive set of misaligned incentives number one my incentive becomes to increase spend at an acceptable return not maximized return at a lower spend um sam continues that's there's a lack of fairness to the client if a client scales from 50k 50 Thousand dollars to sixty thousand dollars per month in Google ads. What additional effort is worth point um, x times percentage times 10k? Um, times 10k, it isn't much, if any, in most cases. And he continues, it creates locked in incentives for the client and the agency. The agency's incentive is to keep the client spending on current channels where there is less effort versus expanding or experimenting, which requires more effort. um kirk replies that saying you'll have to read my book i guess if you haven't as i touched this um in more detail there that's assuming that the client is paying for set hours or effort i don't think we're being paid to hit a set of hours we're being paid for results and he continues by the way though recognizing this exact frustration in clients is why we changed to set fee t- tiers based on spend we still flex up as we provide value and grow with a client but our fees move around less when clients budgets flex naturally within a set range and then we come to the last question of um, the chat and um, Julie asks us which pricing model do clients seem most comfortable with in your experience least comfortable with as well Um, before we get into those answers, we've got um, Sean Ellie replying to question 18. I have never used this model. So my lists could be off, but this is just how I view it. Pros, consistent, easy to understand. Cons, to me, higher budgets don't necessarily equate to more work. So it gets murky to scale accounts. That's a very good like objective view of, of saying so, um, if I do say so myself. Um, Julia replies saying, kind of what I was saying too, if clients is doubling or tripling their budget, but you're managing the same scope of accounts and campaigns, how does it make sense that your fees should automatically go up because spend does? And Julia Vice as well um, chimes in going, and conversely, if the budget remains stable, but they suddenly want three channels instead of one, your worker complexity goes up but not necessarily your fees exactly If they decide they just want to use the same budget but across different channels yeah that that doesn't exactly (laughs) increase your fees Julie replies yes that is why I think there has to be a piece that is somehow tied to the scope of what you're doing and managing not tied to spend levels so yeah the mixture of scope of work and spend levels should definitely be done Kirk then continues, um, then answers uh, question nine for us saying something measurable and understandable, typically set fee, which is why we move to a tiered set fee approach. Um, Sean Elyle replies to question nine saying clients seem most comfortable with hourly. (laughs) Not sure if that is just the ease of understanding or that is just um, what they are used to. Not sure about least comfortable, but curious to hear others. Yeah, I can imagine how they would see it for hourly. Hourly were more comfortable. I think when you're talking with uh, working with freelancers or contractors, maybe when you're talking on project by project basis, it really shouldn't be like that. Julie then um, goes on to um, answer question nine as well, saying clients would love straight hourly with a defined cap on hours in a given month. I think. Yeah, I feel so too. My project or scope based methods has been well received. Have not done percentage of spend. Oh, lucky for her. And then we have Riva Minkoff replying to question nine saying monthly flat fees tend to work the best for everyone, but companies also like to go with what they've used before. So if they were on percentage media, they're often most comfortable there. So, yeah, that is probably I feel what clients would um, come with be like this is what we've been using before and that's probably what they're going to be happiest with. Um, and on that note, that kind of brings us to the end of our chat, um, this week. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it'd be such a lively one. Well, Julie did warn us about that one. Um, and yeah, it's quite in-depth, uh, things to talk about as varied, um, pricing models that you can talk um that you can, we we've gone into and have different opinions about um I wonder what your thoughts about um are on that one um what are you using do you agree with it do you disagree with some of the answers that we're given especially from the co-host Kirk Williams or from Julie or Julie, and or from our other experts um we'd love to hear um from you about that um if it's not going to be on um, this medium, um, yeah, please continue this chat with us um, on Thursday, even at five o'clock, where we'll be doing a Twitter spaces chat uh, that Julie will be hosting herself. So, yeah, come join us and share your thoughts about pricing and whether we've, um, yeah misinformed anyone in any way um but yeah if you have any feedback um about the podcast or any corrections on, on some of the things that have been shared do get in touch with me on twitter my dms are always open just check me out on at the marketing anu or on linkedin um we have the ppc chat roundup podcast group on there i would love for you to join um and for you to share your thoughts and um, yeah, give and here's some of some of our updates. My favorite one that has come out today, which I'm going to talk about, is about ads and the fact that responsive search ads will be the only search ad types um, that can be created from June 30th, 2022. So you have less than a year to get used to responsive search ads because expand, uh, expanded text ads will be sunsetted and you will not be able to create new ones of those anymore. So yeah, Google has been attacking. I feel <laughs> us through keywords and other keyword changes. They've decided to switch things up and and, and start um, changing things when it comes to ad copy now. So yeah, that's, that's a very interesting take. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to be sharing that update in our group and um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that on there. So join us on there. Let's have a chat about whether you're frustrated about that, whether you're happy about that. Um, so yeah we'll leave that uh, leave that there finally remember for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly there's a lot of hard work neither beneath the surface so keep your swans kicking bye and speak to you next week